Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We hope this resource is a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Today's reading comes from um, 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came in, into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all the people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. Good morning and welcome to worship. My name is David Bruner. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so glad all of you are with us. As you just saw, we're carrying on with our sermon series called Long Story Short, and this week we are looking at the very first chapter of Holy Scripture, Genesis 1, and a few verses of Genesis 2 as well. We're going to be hearing the story of the seven days of creation. Um, Familiar to many of you, I think, but rich and profound and powerful. It's a little bit longer reading than we sometimes have here at uh, a church, so I've asked Becca to come and help me read it. Um, We're going to read it out loud, and we're going to take turns. Um, But before we open Scripture, I invite you to pray with me. Good and gracious God, thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to hear its message, take it to heart, and apply it to our lives. We ask this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Genesis 1 says this. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. When God saw that the light was good, God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the water from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome, and it was so. God called the dome sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, one the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. 
and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm, and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. God created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, see, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth. And every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. Amen. Thank you, Becca. Like many parts of the Bible, Genesis 1 is deceptively simple. Uh, At a first glance, it can seem childlike, even naive, but when you look more carefully, you'll see that it's profound and rich and deep. We could easily spend a whole month talking about this passage, 
or at least I could. Um, one thing you're going to hear from us a lot over the coming months as part of this sermon series is we don't have as much time as we'd like to address this passage of Scripture. So I'm just going to prepare you for that now. We don't have as much time as I would like, as we would like, to address this passage of Scripture. So I'm only going to say one thing about it today, and that's this. Creation reflects God's goodness. Creation reflects God's goodness. That's what I want to talk about today. Did you notice in that wonderful passage we just heard how many times the word good was repeated again and again, like a refrain or a chorus in your favorite pop song, good. God makes light, it's good. God makes plants, they're good. God makes animals, they're good. If I were your middle school English teacher, I would be saying, okay class, pull out your pencil, And now uh, circle that word every time you see it in the passage. You'll notice it's there many times. Maybe the author's trying to tell you something important. The Hebrew word good is the word tov. If you've ever had a Jewish friend say mazel tov to you, you've heard that word before. Good job, well done, congratulations. This story is about a lot of different things, but one thing that it is definitely about is this. God is good. And what he creates is also good. Everything God makes contains a little spark of his goodness, a little token of his creative love. Everything. Sky and sea and land fish and animals, sun and moon and stars, and finally, last of all, you and me, human beings, created in the image of God, bearing his divine stamp. Tov, tov, tov. Good, good, good. That's what this passage is about. Creation reflects God's goodness. Let me flesh that out for you. Imagine you're walking on the beach on a warm summer day. And it's, it's warm, the sun is shining, but it's not too hot. And there's a gentle breeze to cool you off and it carries the salty smell of the ocean. And I want you to imagine furthermore that you're, you're walking a dog, okay? And I know some of you don't have dogs, But this is my hypothetical scenario, okay? So imagine you have a dog. If you're a cat person, I respect your values, but I want you to know it would be weird if you were walking your cat on the beach. So I think we can all agree it would be better if it's a dog in this scenario. You're walking a dog on the beach, and not only is the day beautiful, but the dog is having such a good time in the way only dogs can do. He's like doing zoomies, and he's playing in the waves, and he's running up to strangers and making friends, and you're making new friends. We've all had a moment like this, right? Hopefully sometime recently. There's so much goodness in that moment. There's so much contentment and and joy And often there's this sense of gratitude. God made that. Everything that's good in that moment, God made it. And one of the things I love is that the more you stop to analyze everything that's going on in that 
pretty everyday moment. The more you analyze it, the better it gets, right? Think about, think about the simple fact of sunlight. Sunlight travels millions of miles through the blackness of space to land on our planet and warm us up. Think about gravity, the way our planet spins on its axis hundreds of times a year swirling around the sun, which creates tides, which create waves for us to play in. Think about the astonishing fact of our bodies, these amazing machines with joints and muscles and sinews that let us go for walks. And most of all, think about the amazing fact of our minds, that we have these incredible brains that allow us to see what's happening and not only experience it, but, but recognize it, understand it, say to ourselves, wow, this is an incredible day. I am lucky to be alive today. All of that comes from God. All of that is a gift from him. And that's how the Bible's story starts, with this gratuitous, overwhelming generosity of God. We didn't do anything to deserve it. He just creates us and says, right, this is the right home for these people. And he puts us in this world. And part of our job as human beings is to acknowledge and give thanks for the goodness of God. If you're anything like me, it's easy to say, hard to do. It's easy to get so distracted by the demands of life and the one billion things on your to-do list that you don't notice the beauty and goodness around you. And I think to us, the book of Genesis might say, okay, slow down. Slow down. Stop and smell the roses. As the kids sometimes say, go touch some grass. Go out in God's world and appreciate it for a minute. The miracle is happening all around us, if only we'll notice. A couple years ago, I heard a comedian do a funny bit about air travel. And he pointed out that most of the time when we talk about air travel, we're complaining. And it's understandable, right? You know, we've had uh, airline meltdowns recently, thousands of people stranded, it's expensive, it's time consuming, you're crammed into tiny little seats. He said, you know, the one thing we don't talk about is the miracle of plane flight. Every time you fly, you're sitting on a chair in the sky. And he said, if you had your head screwed on straight, you'd be sitting there the whole time going, wow! Wow, 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 wow! Five hours from New York to LA. <laughs> and I think there's an analogy there to God's work in creation. If we had our eyes open and our heads screwed on straight, we'd never stop saying, wow, 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 wow. Creation reflects God's goodness. That's the first thing I wanted to say. Second thing is this, creation reflects God's goodness, but it's only a reflection. Creation reflects God's goodness, but it's only a reflection. The goodness and joy we find in creation is real, but it's always limited in some crucial respect. It's always fleeting or fading or flawed. Have you noticed that? Every summer day ends, 
and is replaced by darkness. Every summer month ends, and the beach becomes not this pleasant place you want to go to relax, but a place you avoid because it's windy and bitterly cold. Every dog crosses the Rainbow Bridge, and before they do that, they're probably going to chew up a few treasured family heirlooms. I remember a couple of years ago when we got our, our dog, who we love very much, uh, my wife had given me this leather-bound Bible when I was ordained, and the dog ate the Bible. <laughs> I, I left it there, I left the room, I came back, and the Word of God was just scattered all over the floor of my living room. And the dog was giving me that look that said, yeah, I know I screwed up. I didn't know this was going to happen when I started eating it. And How can we fix this situation? And I thought to myself, you are a gift from God, but you are fragile, fading, and flawed. <laughs> the goodness of creation is limited. And as the saying goes, that's not a bug, that's a feature. The goodness of creation is limited because God has designed it to point beyond itself, back to him. It's designed to point to his goodness that never changes, never ends, never fails, never hurts us. That love of God that is hesed love, not just care, but steadfast care, unfailing care. God is a companion who will never leave you. God is a sunshine that never goes away. God's love is eternal. You might say that we're supposed to look through the good gifts of creation and see the good creator standing behind all of them. Imagine you have a photo of a friend a friend who lives in another part of town, you don't see them very often, and it's a great photo of your friend. It totally captures their personality, their looks, their facial features, their spirit. Well, that's a good gift. It's great, it reminds you of your friend. But if your friend came across town to visit you, it would be very strange if you said, oh, no, I don't wanna hang out with you right now, I'm just gonna look at this photo, right? Be a little bizarre. Well, the same is true of creation. Um, creation is valuable and good in relation to its good creator. The joy and the beauty of creation is designed to draw our hearts back to God. When I was 11 or 12, I was riding in a car with my friend and his mom. And it was a, a day like this. It was winter in the Midwest, and it had recently snowed. And the trees were covered in snow. It was very beautiful. By the way, this is a helpful reminder that you can see the goodness of creation all year round, even here in the Midwest. But we were riding around, chit-chatting about one thing or another, looking at these trees, and kind of out of nowhere, apropos of nothing, my friend's mom says to no one in particular, Jesus, we see you in those trees. And I thought to myself, yeah, that's true. I do see Jesus in those trees. And it's just this beautiful little moment of giving God praise and glory. Creation reflects God's goodness. And we are called not just to acknowledge that goodness, but to use it as an opportunity to sing God's praises. And I think that's why this passage 
ends the way it does. It's why this passage ends the way it does. We often remember the beginning of this passage, the, the, those famous words in the beginning, God created, right? Those are, those are good, those are perfectly fine. How does the passage end? What does God do on the seventh day? He rests, right? He rests. That's the climax of this passage. That's the climax of this passage. The climax of this passage, the crescendo, is not the creation of human beings. It's when God stops, right? And this, this is helpful for us to understand what's going on, right? Um, did God literally create the world in six days? No, I don't think so. What that means is that God created this world with an order and a structure that allows us to flourish and thrive. Like a good craftsman or artisan, God moves from point A to point B with purpose and intentionality. He creates this world ticking off all the items we need to flourish. Similarly, we get to the seventh day and we might ask, okay, is God really tired? Is he up there in heaven thinking, oh, I just created all those Europeans. I, I need a nap, right? No, I don't think so. God is telling us something. He is showing us, his people, the appropriate response to the cosmos he has created, which is worship, peace, and rest. I was... I was talking to someone after the last service and he's, he, this is a fellow Bible nerd like me and he said, I looked up that passage and it, when it says God stopped doing, it, it actually means that he, he stopped creating and started doing something else. So God is actively setting aside time to rest, to acknowledge the goodness of what he's created. And that's what we're called to do. It's not just cessation of something, it's actively doing something else. God shows us the appropriate response to the world he's created is worship and rest. This is incredibly hard to hold on to in our culture. We live in a 24-7 culture where we're always on. It's always hard to stop. I've been thinking about this. When I was a kid, we had this very old-timey thing called a newspaper and we got it every morning. How many of you still get a paper newspaper? Several of us, a distinct minority, right? Um, and it was amazing. The newspaper was a bunch of papers that were printed and uh, they had all the information about what happened the previous day. And you would read it, you would digest the day's news and then you would go out into your day and you would just live your life without knowing what was happening. And if a celebrity said a dumb thing, you had to wait until the next day to find that out. And if, if a new dance trend was raging among youth, you had to wait until the next day to find that out. And now that seems incredibly quaint and old fashioned, right? Because we all have the news in our pockets all the time. And we're all connected to work all the time as long as we keep checking our email or answering our phone, and we're all connected to our friends all the time, as long as we keep sending texts. 24-7 world, all the time, all the time. It's not good for us. 
in Western culture today, taking time out from our busy schedules to worship, to pray, to even just breathe and look at the world is countercultural. Because it is low-key considered an extravagant waste of time to do those things. Why are you going to church? You should be working. Why are you getting up early to pray? You should be hitting the gym. Why are you going for this leisurely walk? You could be doing so many other things. And of course, sometimes if you're in business, you hear the other end of it, right? Why are these employees getting so much time off? We need them to keep working. I believe our calling as Christians in 2023 is to reclaim a Sabbath lifestyle, a lifestyle where we refuse to be always on, a lifestyle where we all have time for worship, rest, and peace as God intended, time to appreciate the goodness of what he's made. Because creation is not an end in itself. It's designed to point us back to God and invite us to worship him. Let me tell you a story. Um, when I was in college, I spent a summer in Connecticut with a bunch of my friends. And uh, one day a friend comes to me and she says, okay, Dave, we're gonna go pick strawberries. And I was a 19 year old guy, so I was like, "Wee!" But I went along, because my friends were going. And it's a beautiful day, gorgeous, not a cloud in the sky, 75 degrees. And we show up at this little strawberry patch and a farmer takes my money and smiles at me and hands me a bucket. We go out and we proceed to pick strawberries. Pick a strawberry, throw it in the bucket. Pick a strawberry, throw it in the bucket. And I look over at my friend and I notice that she is eating the strawberries. So pick a strawberry, eat it. Pick a strawberry, eat it. Pick a strawberry, throw one in the bucket. And so I start eating the strawberries one by one. And pretty soon I'm starting to get a little full. And I look at her and she looks at me and I say, is this okay? Are we like allowed to do this? Is someone gonna come and yell at us? And I'll never forget what she said. She said, Dave, just try to put more in the bucket than you eat while you're out here. <laughs> Which basically was like giving me a blank check, right? So we come home, we, we have gigantic mounds of strawberries. I've never eaten more in my entire life. We stopped off at my friend's parents' place and her mom made us fresh strawberry cobbler with vanilla ice cream. And I'm telling you this story because the whole time all of that was happening, I was moved to pray. I was moved to give thanks to God for the goodness of the world he created. And I found myself saying to God, and I was just saying, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for this day. What a glorious day. I'm so glad I'm alive. Thank you, God. And I remember quoting the words of the Psalms to myself. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And it was such a good, good moment. That's the message of Genesis 1. The world is a good, good world. Thank you, God, for putting us in it. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on how to get connected, please visit our website at knoxprez.org. That is K-N-O-X-P-R-E-S dot org. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or Spotify.